May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. At my uh, first position out of seminary, I worked at a church in Georgetown, South Carolina, which is uh, coastal South Carolina, kind of between Charleston and Myrtle Beach. Um, and the, uh, one day when I was preaching, there was a woman after church who really wanted to speak to me. She was quite distraught. Um, and we stayed in touch for a while. She would contact me pretty regularly. Um, and uh, come to find out after talking to her about once a week or so uh, for about the course of a month, uh, that she was an alcoholic. We were sort of like circling around the topic. Like, you know, she would just be like complaining about um, certain things, like her adult daughter. Um, and, uh, you know, th there were all these other problems. And then she said, well, the thing I haven't told you is that I'm an alcoholic. And I thought, well, that's the problem. You know, I mean, that's the, the thing. And it turns out, really, that was her undoing. And. Um, and uh, one uh, time she was arrested for, she got uh, inebriated and um, made a fool of herself in some way. I can't even remember how. And spent a night or two in jail and was super embarrassed. I mean, this is someone who grew up in like high society Charleston and now is finding herself in living this total debauched life. And um, I thought with my intervention that uh, my ministry would help her, and it seemed like it was only getting worse. You know, I mean, here she was getting arrested. Um, and so I was kind of at a loss for, for what to do personally. And I called my friend John, who is himself a, a recovering alcoholic and has a ministry with people who, um, who have addictions. And I told him what was going on, uh, and he said, it sounds like she hasn't hit rock bottom yet. And I thought, well, golly, I thought that like two nights in jail would have been rock bottom. Uh, and he said, unfortunately, it sounds like it isn't. That for her, bottoming out uh, might be worse than that. And I said, I'm afraid that this woman's going to die. Uh, and the thing he told me uh, that will always stick with me is that sometimes uh, when some people hit rock bottom, they actually do die. Um, that some of uh, some folks that, that it gets that bad, but for some of us, most of us hitting rock bottom doesn't end in that. You know, I mean, there, um, but the bottoming out is the place where we can go no lower um, in our sort of dereliction, whatever it is, and then by um, some form of outward intervention, uh, we're sort of pulled up, not by our own strength, but to get out of the out of the the pits, um, and. Uh, you know, maybe maybe you've experienced something like this. Um, uh, I and uh, recently, in the last couple of weeks, I've experienced someone that I'm loosely acquainted with, uh, uh, not don't know too well personally, but we have a lot of mutual friends. Uh, his name is Tulian Chavidjan. He's the uh, grandson of uh, of Billy Graham. He was the uh, pastor of Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church, which is like a, a fairly you know like a megachurch, basically. In terms of megachurches, is on the smaller side, but, you know, uh, he is Billy Graham's grandson, so he um, has a lot of fame for that reason, but also he had a, he had a really good ministry, um, a lot of success, and comes out uh, two weeks ago today, I think, actually, um, uh, resigned uh, from his position because he and his wife mutually, on either end, were having an affair. He was having an affair with someone, and she was having an affair with someone else. And 
uh, decided to resign. And, you know, this is someone who was a shining star, had a great ministry, and then just overnight, he's a dead man, you know, hitting rock bottom uh, uh, on the public stage. And, uh, you know, for, for us, <laughs> thanks be to God, usually it's not covered by the Washington Post and whatnot, but for him, he's really bottomed out uh, in the, the, the public sphere. And I was thinking about um, Tullian and talking about this with a friend of mine, uh, and uh, my friend Matt sent me this song uh, by a singer-songwriter called Bill Maloney, who's um, not terribly well-known, but uh, writes really good lyrics. And he wrote this song called Bottoming Out. Uh, and this is uh, what Bill Maloney says in his song Bottoming Out. When you're stuck in the middle of the thin air, it's too much hunger and not enough cash. It's always the cheap stuff that takes you down fast. Always the cheap stuff that takes you down fast. And nothing's turning uh, you about, kid. You're bottoming out. Now, this is a description. If you read the rest of the lyrics of the song, it seems like maybe uh, this is someone who is abusing drugs. Uh, he talks about dust, which you can imagine is probably cocaine. Um, and uh, he's talking about the, the, the cheap stuff that takes you down fast. Basically, this is a description of someone who's chasing a high that doesn't feed the hunger. You know, the hunger inside, the hollowness that we feel like we need to, to, to fill with stuff, whatever it is, the stuff of the world, whether it's cocaine or something else. You know, uh, for you, it might not be um, as bad. But eventually, because you're, you're trying to fill the hollowness with cheap stuff, and you just keep going down the path, and it's not filling the hole, you bottom out. You, you hit rock bottom, and you can go no deeper. Um, have, you, have you been there before? You know, what, what is it for you that um, has caused a sense of bottoming out? And maybe, maybe you're not there now, maybe you've been there before, and maybe, maybe you'll get there, unfortunately. And the chances are, for most people, it's not as dramatic as this woman I knew in Georgetown. It's probably not as dramatic as with Tullian Chavijan. It's probably not as dramatic as with Bill Maloney and, and drugs. Uh, for you, you know, it might be just sort of this sense of constant, numb, uh, sort of dull, mundane reality of disappointment every day, that life isn't exactly what uh, you, you thought it would be. Um, and that is the kind of sense of almost continual bottoming out. Um, and regardless, uh, when you're in this place, in this state of feeling like there's no lower that you can go, you feel uh, judgment, um, that all eyes are on you. You know, you feel uh, contempt coming from the outside um, uh, when you're in that place. And, and it might be from, from the public, it might be from, from those closest to you, uh, and it might be from God. You know, how could God love me when I'm in, in this state? Um, so uh, there's just this uh, feeling of, of contempt and scorn. Um, and therefore, what the addict needs, or, or what you need uh, when you're feeling this way, is, is not judgment, but mercy. Uh, what someone needs in this state is, is not contempt, but mercy. Um, there's a, if you don't know Mockingbird Magazine, I commend it to you. It comes out quarterly. Uh, I think it's in terms of um, things that are produced uh, uh, in print in Christianity, it's one of the best things out there. 
And in each uh, issue of the Mockingbird magazine, there's a section called the confessional, which someone submits something anonymously so that they can, with honesty, talk about um, the kinds of things that I've been talking about with you today. Um, you know, um, uh, the, the things that are really going on inside. And, and there was one in the latest issue that's written by uh, what is like probably a young mother. Um, and it's a confession that reads almost like a poem. And she's addressing God. And, uh, you know, think about all that I've said and, uh, while I'm reading this. Forgive me for the expectations I had of this life. I had very specific standards that have not been met, either through my own failures or those around me. That I would be Eudora Welty meets Mother Teresa. That I would write tomes of wisdom walling away my time in an urban ministry program. Instead, I'm a mother who lives in the suburbs. I occasionally remember to donate baby formula to the food pantry. I spend my days cleaning the kitchen and worrying about nitrates and hot dogs. And occasionally I'm able to write during nap time. This is not what I had in mind. That my children would be accessories to my grand life narrative, exemplars of my grace distributing iron will. That people should look at them and comment of me, what a mother she is. Her children are so polite and polished. And instead, my progeny of zoo animals smell bad and always want something from me. Sounds familiar. Uh, uh, because, uh, because they are children, and that is what children do. How disappointing. And I'm going to skip the paragraph where she talks about her dog. Uh, that, <laughs> that my husband would have uh, the broody romanticism of Mark Darcy and the open-hearted passion of a full house dad. You remember Danny Tanner? Um, if you watch that. Um, he's uh, not even a decent mix of these, Lord. And when I tried to date men who seemed to capture this uh, personality lightning in a bottle, I realized that moodiness means meanness means malice. Also, they always smelled like clove cigarettes. So instead, I married this real person, patient and exasperated, hopeful and despairing, generally very kind. You and I both know this is not what I had planned. Christ have mercy. Forgive me for the good life staring me in the face and save me from myself. Well, I read this to you uh, because, you know, it's more of a descriptor of probably where you're at. You know, if, if you're sort of bottoming out isn't an absolute dereliction, it might feel something like that, uh, what she's describing here. Um, and also I read it because, uh, because I want to really talk to you today about Psalm 123, uh, which, is a, which is a psalm of David. Um, and uh, it's also, though, what he's composed is a, a psalm for people to, to read together, to sing together. It's a, it's a psalm or a song of collective lament. Um, and those singing this psalm sense that they are objects of scorn and contempt because of where they're at in life, either from the, the sort of outward public or most especially from, from God. Um, who, who might have contempt over the way that they're leading their life. And therefore, they seek relief. Uh, uh, they've had enough of the, the, the scorn. Uh, and what they want instead is a visible sign of God's mercy. Um, and we, here, thousands of years later, in 2015, should have no difficulty praying in the same way. Uh, just listen to these words of the psalm again. Our eyes look to the Lord our God until he show us his mercy. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy, for we have had more than enough of contempt. 
just coming back to, to Bill Baloney's uh, bottoming out, uh, the, you know, the song, of course, the title, it sounds really sad. Uh, and maybe this whole sermon sounds really sad. Um, but, the, uh, but, but, but he comes around to the end with a, with a glimpse of hope uh, in the, the final uh, verse when he says this. And the interesting thing is, he says, now grace. And grace, at least when you look up the lyrics online, is with a, a capital G. Now grace, could there ever be enough for the hollow places you can't fill up, you can't fill up or touch? You know, there are these hollow places that we try to, to fill with the, with the stuff, but only grace can actually fill it up. Uh, and what is grace but mercy, actually? Grace is God's unbridled love for us. And even though we feel like we don't deserve it when we're down in the pits, God loves the unlovable anyway. Um, we're trying to fill the emptiness with things. God fills it uh, with his grace instead, with his mercy. He takes us out. Uh, that's the only thing that will complete us. Um, I put this uh, quote from uh, Bill Maloney's song, that line in particular, on my Facebook wall. And Bill Maloney himself saw it. I thought that was so cool because I tagged him on it. <laughs> um, I think that's so cool that you can do that nowadays, like on Facebook. And he wrote, he wrote back uh, in response to this quote, thanks, folks. There's a lot of people out there wrestling with these issues. And he wrote dot, 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 uh, probably meaning drug addiction. But I think really these issues means all, everything, you know, all the things that we're struggling with. And so we're all kind of struggling with these issues. Uh, we're all, in a sense, bottoming out, and only grace and mercy can save us, can uh, fill the, the hollow places that we're trying to fill with other things. In the aftermath of Tulian Trevijan's um, uh, resignation and the news coming out with his affair, uh, you, you can guess that uh, everything that's out there for the most part on the internet is vitriolic attack. Uh, how, how dare could such a minister uh, do, do a thing like this? Um, you know, here's a guy who's, um, uh, you know, supposed to be a role model um, and uh, attacking the theology that he was preaching, a theology of grace, much like the message that I'm trying to communicate tonight. Um, you know, 99% of anything that you read out there in terms of especially the comment sections of anything online, that's the, been the kind of tenor uh, in the secular world, says Billy Graham's grandson, and then the um, the Christian world says, "See that grace guy, um, and see what happens when you preach grace." And then, amidst all of this attack, uh, my friend uh, David Zoll, who's the the actually the executive director of Mockingbird Ministries, wrote an article that I think um, closes the case on Tully and Chavijan. If you're going to read anything, go read what David Zoll wrote on Mockingbird about Tullian. Uh, when he comes to his defense, sort of. Not justifying the extramarital affair, but defending the sinner. And uh, this is just uh, one thing that he says from that lengthy uh, reflection. It probably sounds like I'm trying to justify the man. I'm not. Clearly something was amiss. Maybe a crisis needed to happen. I don't know. I'm simply trying to advocate for him because if there's no mercy afforded to Tullian by his fellow sinners then there won't be any for you or me either, not this side 
of the pearly gates. You know, let, let him without sin cast the first stone, basically. Um, where is the mercy? Where is the mercy for even Tullian? We're all kind of Tullian Trevisions. We're all kind of like this woman uh, that uh, I knew in South Carolina. Um, we're all Bill Maloney's uh, bottoming out in some way. And where is the mercy most especially from God? Well, we do have it from him. And so therefore, uh, like the Israelites so long ago, uh, we can pray Psalm 123. And let me just read it to you one more time uh, with, with all that I've said in mind. To you I lift up my eyes, to you enthroned in the heavens, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their masters and the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress. So our eyes look to the Lord our God until he show us his mercy. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy, for we have had a, a, more than enough of contempt, too much of the scorn of the indolent rich and of the derision of the proud. Amen.